Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Yo, 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 K-Nut. Hello, Howard. How are you? It's a live presser. Panic with presser. I'm just doing press conferences every day. (laughs) Dude, the weather in Phoenix, man. Played nine holes today. What'd you play? Having some Gatorade. Kierland. Nice. Yeah. So what do we got today? It's April. We haven't done a show in a few days. April 21st. You're on Panic with Friends. I'm enjoying the weather. I mean, I don't know. I don't need to do anything. The weather is Phoenix so is, perfect right now. Yeah. This is the sweet spot right this now. This is the sweet spot. We're going to be miserable in about a month here. It'll be 110. Oh, yeah. But you know what? Nighttime in the desert is very pleasant. Especially the where you are. Temperature change is different. It's high, high desert's nice. High desert's very nice. But no cars, so it's like been dry. It's, it's just been perfect. No right. smog, no nothing. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, well. All right, that's it. We're not even going to do a show. You know, I think we'll just do weather reports. But without those, that nice smog, we don't get those great sunsets. What's yeah, up with yeah, that? yeah. What's weird is I have no, I didn't know it was related, but I have no gas since. You talking about your car or yourself? No, me. I have not <laughs> farted. I haven't had a good fart. Maybe because I'm not eating out. But I swear to God, it's been quiet everywhere. Oh, I'm, I'm sure Ellen is very pleased with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a separate bedroom by now at this point. <laughs> doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> the, uh, first, she didn't want me traveling. Now she doesn't want me home. It's like, that is a story yeah. for a lot of men right now. Oh, well, you know. Anyways, uh, we have my friend John Frankel, who uh, is an investor in StockTwits, actually. And um, ex-Goldman. So rare, I rarely want to talk to Goldman people, but <laughs> we're, John and I, John's like a beast. He's, uh, I don't know, he's at Goldman 20 years. We'll get some background and, uh, I don't know, fun five. He's been writing checks since, uh, we were in diapers. <laughs> and so I want to talk to him about the panic. He's not scared of uh, markets. He's seen everything right. running salespeople. So it'll be fun. Uh, and he likes talking about investing in the market and, um, I haven't seen him in a while, and he's got kids and grandkids, and so he's got a different perception on this whole panic, and is in New York. So we're going to get him on the phone first. We'll uh, shout out to a few portfolio companies, Uh, and and John, I don't know if he shaves his head, but he's he's bald. He's he's he looks good like Yul Brenner, like he just was born. You go, I look good when he's bald, and so he's got a good head for no hair. He has a perfect head for no hair. So I don't know if he uses. Something like Manscaped, but we're going to, I feel like he's a Manscaped type of guy. Good deal. And so uh, I'm not even going to read that. They had, uh, they did an ad in, on, on Michael Jordan's show. Oh, they did? Yeah, pretty bold. On the documentary, did you watch it? No, I didn't. Oh, so good. I'm not even a Bulls fan, but it was really good. I will check that out. So uh, listeners of the show get 20% off and free shipping with the code social leverage at manscaped.com. Uh, don't just shave your face, shave your balls. Good tagline. Yeah, kids, that's all they do is they just manscape. They have, they have all this free time, Netflix and manscaping. Get 20% off and free shipping, manscaped.com. Use code social leverage. Um, treat yourself. It's a good gift, too. And Free uh, shipping, too, I think. Yeah, very free shipping. Exactly. Okay, and then obviously Coifin, uh, product I use every day, John. 
Um, probably uses it. He's an old Bloomberg type, I'm sure, in Wall Street Journal. He, he, he can afford to read everything. And so Coifin, uh, also one of our portfolio companies, and they asked me to read this. If you want to track and analyze what's happening in current market turmoil, Coifin is for you. It's a web-based platform that lets you analyze stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, and all other assets in one place. I use it every day. It's open right now. Not a good day in the market, obviously. Coifin has a ton of high-quality data, powerful functionality, and a clean interface. Best part is it's free. Uh, sign up at coifin.com, K-O-Y-F-I-N.com. Let's get Johnny F. on the phone. This is John Frankel. Dr. Frankel. How are you doing, sweetie? Hey, you are uh, finally live on Panic with Friends. We're going to talk investing in markets. How are you? I am doing uh, absolutely ducky. Yeah, you, uh, you you never get upset. So let me just uh, let people uh, do a full intro. Take your time. Tell about uh, the firm today and your Goldman days. Um. Uh, I'm partner at FF Venture Capital, uh, founded the firm back in 2008. Okay. Uh, I was at Goldman Sachs for 21 years prior to that. Boom. Uh, I know you hate <laughs> Goldman. No, I don't. You hate Goldman. <laughs> I just uh, yeah. don't like them. So 21 I years know. of Goldman, I know. I know. you, And you tolerate years. me. I, Are they more yeah, upset that you would do business with me or, or am I, should I be more upset that I'm doing business with the next Goldman person? What do you think? Who cares more? Oh, I think you care more. <laughs> I, 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 wish they care. <laughs> I know, you know, it's so funny. So 21 years at Goldman, did they recruit you out of uh, DeVry or where did they recruit you out of? Out of DeVry? <laughs> yes. Well, no, you know, it's, it's actually, um, uh, I, for my sins, I'm a chartered accountant. So oh, I right, spent right. four years at Arthur Anderson. Correct. Um, and then prior to that, uh, I went to this little uh, unknown university um, called Oxford. Mm. Um, Is it in Buffalo? I, Is Oxford in Buffalo still? <laughs> Oxford, <laughs> Oxford, Buffalo. And, I, and you know, I spent, uh, I spent three years there. And I think after one exam and a few extra years elapsing, so I still had a pulse, I ended up getting a master's in mathematics and philosophy. In, in, at Oxford, John? Yeah, That's at Oxford. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. No, they, that... hand out, they hand them out. If, you, if you're alive four years after... ASU, uh, don't joke. That degree. is ASU. I had to go... Like, ASU does do that. Like, I, we were in a fight over one course, and I just waited two years and just went to the office one day and said, oh, I never got my diploma. And they still gave it to me, one, cl yeah. one class short. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you uh, finished Oxford, and what happened, John? Um, so I joined Goldman Sachs, which at the time was this unknown American firm. I was in London at the time. And uh, it's funny, I had four job offers, and they were offering the least money and the least known firm that I joined. Huh. But I, I had a good, good fun 21 years there. Uh, I did a dozen jobs, started in controllers and operations, uh, learned about all of the back office functions around securities, moved to prime brokerage, got to learn a little bit about hedge funds. And then the last 11 years at Goldman, I was on the sales and trading floor uh, as an equity research salesperson. So I, I talked to hedge funds in the U.S. every day about U.S. securities, um, and it was a blast. 
You love that um, part. I think you've like you love. I just look at you and I go I exude sales and uh, loving the markets. You know, I was talking to to one of my to one of my kids last night about this, and I said, you know, I got paid money to learn everything about biotech, hospitals, credit cards, the steel industry, retail, you know, every single industry you can imagine, I got to learn about, understand, and then sort of spent my day talking stocks with people. It was a blast. It was fascinating. And uh, can you tell a story of like, one of your clients panicking or you panicking? Do you remember the first time you've ever, or have you ever panicked and just done the wrong thing with, a, you know, just given up at the wrong time in the market or, or. Oh, it's so easy to do. Let's you know, when one. I was at gold, I mean, I remember when I was in Goldman, um, uh, during the 87 crash for those of you who are around in 87 and remember it, the stock market fell predominantly on one day. Right. And everything was over after about three days. That was the first time you heard the term dead cat bounce. Um, and I think my equity account that I built up by then was a massive uh, $10,000 worth <laughs> of securities. Right. And I sold everything into the crash. Oh, I didn't did. think I touched equity for like four years. Wow. Um, uh, and then... You know, 99 was a fascinating period because everything went up. If it had a pulse, it went up right. in tech. Right. Non-tech didn't move. If you took the indices and took out tech and telecom, it was pretty unched during the period. But tech and telecom, you know, stocks would go up 10% a day. I remember. Multiple days in a row. It, yeah. it was a fascinating time to be close to the markets. It was so fascinating because you're right. Like I was like, I'm going to buy FedEx because I was just too sophisticated to understand tech, obviously, you know, meaning like I had, didn't really know tech, right? Phoenix, Arizona. And I remember like, okay, but who's going to make the most money off the internet? FedEx. And for years it went sideways and Amazon, you know, cause I knew nothing. It was just Amazon would go up 10% a day and I'd be like, why aren't they shipping on FedEx? Like I just, the more I thought about it, the stupider I, I felt. And, uh, you know, I, I, look, uh, I remember one of my clients buying half a billion dollars of AOL uh -huh. and in a month it had doubled. Wow. Those were the kinds of trades that you saw. And, you know, my, my, my personal account and Goldman had a lot of restrictions, 30 day holding rules and the like, I remember showing it to, uh, one of my colleagues, Ken. And he looked at it and he said, John, this is both the best portfolio I've ever seen <laughs> and the scariest portfolio I've ever seen. Wow. I, I, just had, I just had all the high-risk stuff um, and held on to it for 31 days. And do you, what happened on the other side of that crash? Did you get lit up? No, I actually, what happened was by the end of 99, mm -hmm. I'd actually accumulated some capital. Uh, and, and I looked around and said, you know what? Everything I do is high beta. Where's the alpha, not beta, and no mark to mark so I don't get distracted? And I started angel investing. Huh. Now, obviously, I wish I'd started angel investing four years earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, on the way down, I didn't have a lot in the public market. And I remember I, you, you go out to lunch, and you come back, and someone say, oh, the market's moved 4%. <laughs> And you literally didn't know if it was up or down. 
Yeah. And the number of days you come in and would be limit down, I can't, you know, I can't remember how many. You know, a market down 5%. At some point, it should run out of 5%. You know, yeah. it was just very volatile to the downside. And then today, do you follow the markets closely still? I think you do. I, yeah, I, I stopped following them for five or six years when I first started my firm. And then in the last two years, I've started following them again because I think public markets and private markets are closer. Yeah. I think tech in public markets now is much more relevant than it used to be to private markets. Yeah. So I definitely follow it closer. Plus, you know, I, I, I have five kids and they're all in their, um, you know, um, mid-20s to early 30s. And so they're coming to me and saying, what should they do as they're starting to um, uh, have salaries and have some savings and want to understand the stock market? And um, so yeah. it's become more of my conversation. And where's everybody hold up right now? Because you're all New York, but like how, uh, how's everybody accommodating? Uh, uh, four of my five kids and their spouses, they're all married, are in some form of sheltering in place. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, the balance are, um, I, well, the, the, which is the last one. Um, my youngest daughter, her husband is an ER doctor. Oh man. Uh, and so, uh, they're not sheltering in place. And what's the latest in New York? How, how, what do you see? What, Cause you read all day. So what are you, what are you hearing seeing? And, you know, it's funny. I mean, literally I'm cloistered, right? Oh. I'm not going out anywhere. Right. Uh, I talk to a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, uh, but you know, like a lot of people, you know, I'm I'm doing what I should be doing for myself and for society at large, and just not interacting face to face with a lot of folks. What's your best guess? Like, what's how's this play out medium term? Well, I mean, look. Firstly, understand who you're talking to. You're talking to someone who is just you know, constructive on the world. Um, I had a friend of mine who canvassed um, over 40 VCs. Mm -hmm. And he came back to me and he said, you are the most bullish of anyone I've spoken to. You're a complete outlier. Mm -hmm. So understand that perspective. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and part of it might be that I've invested in, you know, private companies for over 20 years, public markets for over 40 years. I've seen downturns before and recoveries before. None are the same, right. but one thing that always is the same. As a society we recover, as an economy recover, we're going to recover this time. I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, understand that. You know, I think when you look at the markets and you have a strong market perspective, I, I thought we would retest the lows. Mm-hmm. And now it's being sort of bouncing back and forth wherever we do. I mean, it's totally reasonable that we should. Um, you know, t- was it two weeks ago we had the best up market for a week, you know, best week uh, since like 1936? I mean, we, these are very strange times. The bull market we had didn't naturally end, it got interrupted. Yeah. And. So maybe, maybe, and look, to me, the stock market is there so that most people lose most of their money most of the time. I mean, it's just not set up as easy for people. 
And so the most difficult thing for me to conceive of is the market retesting its highs, not retesting its lows. And, you know, you might say, well, why would it do that? And maybe, you know, I can think of five trillion reasons. (laughs) All this Fed printing, if it's going to cause inflation, the stock market's a pretty good place for it to cause it. And, you know, the stock market is more important than many people think. It's important for everyone's pension plan. It's important for psychology for many decision makers, for corporates. And it's important for the funding of the capitalist system to the extent we still have a capitalist system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a functioning stock market facilitates a functioning economy. So if the stock market does recover and, you know, we get back in, you know, to this bull market interrupted, um, that helps a lot of other parts of psychology of the economy to be more constructive. Yeah, I agree. Like they say, like the stock market's small, but psychology wise, it's not about what's the bond, what are yields doing? It's really about where are my stocks at? It's just something about the mood of the country is very tied to stocks. But we're seeing weird stuff, even this number of weeks afterwards. I mean, you know, oil, uh, it's crazy. You know, I, Oil's a real example, but we're seeing dislocations across structured products like we did back in 07 and 08. That has to work its way out the system. My sense is, as the market takes shocks, mm-hmm. what doesn't kill it makes it stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of it as inoculating people against things. So, you know, if oil price is going to all-time lows and negative numbers takes 3% out of the stock market and then it recovers, like, what's going to knock it down? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You know, the technicals are kind of mixed to positive. Um, you know, the flow of funds is $5 trillion of Fed printing is kind of positive. Um, yeah. But, but understand, understand, the stock market is an average of an average of an average. And for a lot of people, this is a disaster. Right. You know, hospitality. Oh, my goodness. What, you know, what's that? Uh, 10% of the economy? Yeah. I mean, that's basically a zero. Yeah. You know, and then your pandemic trades of, you know, Zoom and Peloton and Netflix and Amazon, you know, they're all, you know, add or testing new highs. So, you know, it's definitely a mixed bag. But if you're in the right stock, um, you're making a lot of money right now. Right. It's more just a bull, like you said. It's interesting. It's like a bull market interrupted. It's a bear market. It's been a bear market for certain industries for years. So this is just an acceleration of a of a bear market, almost depression for for certain businesses. And now people have to reposition. You've seen this happen a lot of time. I just see what I'm fascinated by is all the repositioning. You know, money's moving so quickly. You know, um, because the stock market is how you how do you express yourself with your money? And like you said, it's like Peloton, Zoom, Amazon, Netflix, DocuSign. I mean, look, 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 let's just look at Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. Amazon to me is the physical internet. They have earned enormous kudos to me because they're basically there. And if they're not delivering something in two days, they're giving me a good sense of when it's going to be. Their contract with me as a consumer has only gone up. And I don't know how they don't come out of it way stronger. 
you know, with a higher share of my wallet and everyone's wallet prospectively. Um, and so, you know, it's all about execution and they're executing incredibly well. So, you know, why do I think Amazon stock should go down 97% like it did in 99 or 2000? I just don't think that's going to be the case this time. Correct. Um, you know, and then you can, you know, you can go stock by stock on what they're doing and how they're doing it. I'm sure you saw the Zoom numbers. The number of signups yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Now, will they stay long term? Who knows? You know. Yeah, yeah I'm long, uh, so I'm super bullish on both. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I look at stocks as like, I don't want to own real estate. Like, I express myself with real estate. I own homes. I own my home and in the office that we, we podcast out of and... California, but I don't want to own real estate stocks. So for me, stocks are like growth stocks. Like I don't, I, you know, I want to own the stocks that own my wallet. Um, so that's why I've always, let's let's think about how the world's changing Mm -hmm. because it is changing, right? You've got this acceleration to digital. It was happening anyway. It's moving faster. Correct. Um, anything that's not yet come online will come online faster now. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, come back to Amazon. I think we all agree it's purchased at Whole Foods. That was a good purchase. Yeah. Um, I think we've trained most people to be OCD hypochondria. And I think that's fine. But personal interactions are just going to change. More video calling, less handshakes. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I remember when the answer phone first came in, no one wanted to record their voice. Right? They, 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 they just didn't feel like they could get to the end of a sentence and have it recorded. Now we're teaching people how to broadcast as if we're on live television, and they're doing it hours a day. It's just going to change dynamics of how people interact. Yeah. Um, the and value then, of public... Go ahead. Sorry, and go then ahead. your public... Go ahead. I was going to say the value of public space mm-hmm. is decreasing, and the value of private space is increasing. What does that mean exactly? Well, like, you know, if, if you live in a dense city and you say, well, I love the parks and I love the museums, etc." Now you might say, you know, I prefer to live in the suburbs and have a garden and not, you know, have to share an elevator and not have to share a lobby and not be on top of people and not have shared, you know, air conditioning ducts and that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, this has obviously a big implication on real estate. You know, but if I, you know, folks who have one or two kids, you know, a lot of people tell me they're probably going to move out of town. Yeah. You know, they probably will just want to have a little bit more elbow room if this is drawn out or it comes back again. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what do you think happens to education? Yeah, it's ob- everybody who's been on Panic with Friends like just agrees, which is scary, but it's all smart people that agree that education's cooked or evolving finally, being pushed off a cliff. Like the students can't be in this much debt just to pay professors in, in buildings that don't mean anything in a digital world. Yeah. You know? and, and, yeah, and, and look, I think our supply chains, I would have said in five years, and I'm trying to think probably in three years, are going to become a lot more local. Yeah, we're going to just work out to make how to make our drugs in the U.S., how to build chips in the U.S. and the like. And you know, it, it's 
you know, the cost advantage of being offshore that was evident 20 years ago and 10 years ago is a lot less. It's kind of like, where do you want your robots? Yeah. Um, but it will make you... Where do you want your robots? That's a great name for a fucking podcast, dude. I'm stealing that. Dude, write that down, Canute. <laughs> this was worth it just for that. Canute, make a note. Where do you want your fucking robots? That's a great name for a podcast. The uh, See, that's what we're waiting for here. The uh, You're right. Like, America, I hate giving, you know... Listen, it was globalized. There's a cost to globalization. It just happened. You know, there was very few costs. It was... It was uh, it was, we're a big enough country, we can do a lot of shit ourselves. And you're right, like with Zoom, like just in a, in a Zoom world, John, it was like, what a perfect time to like have an offshore supply chain. And then because of COVID, it's, you still can do Zoom and have an onshore supply chain. The, it's a big enough country that maybe uh, the flyover states get some manufacturing. I don't know what they want. And I don't know if these people want those jobs and I don't want to deal with unions and personally and whatever but you know i think you're right like there's certain industries that are just going to come right back on shore i mean and, how, and how, spend how, money on marketing and and branding and and pay your people pay people a, a fair wage it'll be interesting yeah Still, i mean again wages have become a smaller and smaller percentage of finished goods right and so if you pay people um a u.s wage versus a and a wage out in you know pick your Asian country, um, the Delta is probably not going to be that much. Your shipping's less, but your security and your supply chain, your turnaround times are all different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think, you know, we, we where are we now? Right? Imagine, imagine this happened in 95. Oh, we're dead. We're dead. And we wouldn't know about it. The internet has been a huge lifesaver is sharing information best practice in ways that could never be imagined. And it's made a huge change. And in the same way, the entrepreneurial economy is going to allow us to adapt so much faster. I, I just, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of really smart people who are very comfortable doing what they're doing, who are now going to do something different. Yeah. And they are going to build amazing businesses. Yep. Um, it happens in every downturn and this, you know, this time, you know, the opportunity is to build U.S. local capability. And I think there'll be government money for that. I think there'll be private money for that. I'm sure you saw Andreessen's uh, post about building infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's where the mindset's going to go. And I think um, uh it just feels like a, it just feels like the natural next step here accelerated because of, you know, COVID. Yeah. And so in the private portfolio, it's got to be stressful. How many companies? You're over a hundred companies, I imagine. Well, so in active companies, we have, I think, 76. Okay. And so what was that like? Just coordinating? Like we went through this at social leverage, but you, you're bigger than us. So, uh, it's well, the same, it's the same game. You know, we, we, we are a very uh, interactive, uh, engaged venture capitalist as a firm. Something like half of our seed-funded companies get to raise a Series B, which is about five times the average. So, you know, we're just in there up to our elbows working with our companies. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think firstly, and it's interesting, um, depending on the portfolio you've built, 
depends on how you feel about stuff. We happen to, and this was you know lessons learned back in 2000, we've tried to have very few pro-cyclical businesses in our portfolio. We probably have a you know two or three. I would say probably 15 to 20 percent of our portfolio has been negatively impacted here. Um, and about 25 percent of our portfolio companies actually have wins to their back here. I and mean, we, we've got a company, um, I don't know pitch companies. I no, 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 but I wanted, I was going to ask you, like, what companies stood out as, like, benefiting or not benefiting? Well, you know. I, mean, I, I, you know, I just want to give an example, and this is more about how entrepreneurs think and react. Uh-huh. You know, we're investing in a company out of Dublin called Mana, and Mana was about to launch a, um, a beta program with University College Dublin to deliver burritos to students. So food delivery by drone. In under three weeks, they got political backing, um, government backing, um, uh, the FAA equivalent in Ireland, the IAA backing, to start delivering uh, medicine and food to um, uh, what they call old age pensioners, but to older folks who are locked up at home and need them by doing drone delivery. It's a natural, but they accelerated from, you know, let's test and do, you know, two flights a day to doing 500 flights a week in production in three weeks. So think about what this CEO did to on a dime, turn the business, turn the focus, engage, have, you know, a country Ireland, where the politicians listened and understood that this could be a real lifesaver, and now they're building up this capability. It's probably going to accelerate over the next six months, this company by two years, um, and it is just a natural, and they're getting, you know, they're getting uh, hundreds and thousands of production flight hours under their belt, proving out the technology uh, in a way that um, they wouldn't have been given access to do elsewise. Yeah. And it's saving lives at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so we got a number of companies that have taken their tech stack and really said, how can we reposition this? And it's not just in our portfolio. I know of so many people and companies who said, how do we use our entrepreneurial mindset and do our little bit towards this you know, war effort? Right. And I think that's amazing. I think I think it's truly amazing. It's another reason why I'm so constructive. Yeah, you and I are the same way. It's like you might. It's easy to be bearish, and you can sound smarter, but there's just too many good entrepreneurs that uh, to align yourself with, and these downturns create massive opportunities for the right founders. Um, and then with the cloud, and then healthcare is going to get sped up. So, I mean, the amount, I'm not a science uh, geek at all. Like just, just will never understand biotech and it's just healthcare and it's just over my pay grade and I'm too old to learn, but you can just sense that everything's getting speed up no different than drones. Like in medicine, it's like everybody's just going to have to take some more risk and speed things up quicker and everybody's focused on pushing things from 10 years to one year. So society will benefit at some point. Yeah. And, but, but look, I, there's something I really want to cover, which is it's not all sweetness and light and joy right. uh, at all. There's a 
huge part of society, this chart being smashed here. Yeah. I mean, number of people unemployed, the inability to put food on the table. I find that, you know, this is very sad. And the other thing is, I mean, I'm sure you know people. I, I know people who've died because of this. You know, I've got family members and, you know, and employees who have or have had COVID. Um, you know, I've got good friends who have it now and I worry for them. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I'm doing great other than, you know, a global pandemic and an economic, you know, depression. Um, as I said, right at the top, understand I'm an outlier and I'm an optimist, but I'm also cognizant of everything else that's going on. I just kind of believe every day I get up and I can take a breath of fresh air is a good day. Yeah. I'm the same way. And then on, on the, the future stuff, where is you're in fund six or fund five? Uh, fund six. And so what kind of stuff are you starting to, you know, I talked to Roger Ehrenberg, I talked to a few guys, they're writing checks still, right? It's just what's, cause you're, you're big enough that you're going to eventually or already are writing new checks. How are you thinking about that going forward? I think, I mean, you know, our, we're seed stage, so we have to be opportunistic. Against that, we've been leaning into applied AI, drones, robotics, and uh, fintech. Um, I, those things still feel good to us. You know, we're listening because the world has shifted. You know, there's been a realignment of the tectonic plate. You know, whatever uh, way you want to describe it, the world has shifted somewhat. And we're trying to listen out to that. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we think the value of public space versus private space is changing, which intrigues us. Education will go online faster. Digital surveillance, um, you know, healthcare, all of these are interesting areas. Uh, we're leaning a little bit more into logistics than we have in the past. Um, uh, and, but, you know, we're students of the market, so we're, we're learning. I'm not sure I've got any any great insight as to there's this whole new sector that's suddenly going to become hot. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward, uh, you know, where the opportunities are. Um, and how do I put this? These changes are all going to happen, and there will be changes in behavior. I think in 2021, and it's not 2021, 2022, cruises are going to be full, just like they were a few months ago. You know, people are going to revert back um, real fast. Huh. Um, there'll be changes, but there will be a lot of a reversion back. There'll be a reversion um, back because these corporations, if they want to keep doing it, are going to have to make adjustments and build back you know, trust. I was at Circle K today. Uh, no, one of my favorite restaurants that has figured out how to just continue on as some good restaurants do right now. Right. And I'm supporting, you know, pull up to the restaurant. They got the, and I was at Circle K and they've already got the glass in front of, uh, not, you know, the spit glass in front of, of people like, you know, where there's a will, there's a way in this country with, uh, the way Amazon and FedEx and, and companies think. So I'm with you. Um, do you remember 
What's the, what's the one company that you wrote a check for where you're like, ah, this is just going to work, a seed check? Do you remember like ever having that feeling? Cause I, I, oh, yeah. But the question is whether it did work. No, but that did work. <laughs> Meaning like you came home and you're like one meeting and like we're going to write this check and it's going to work. And then it did work. Which, which one like has been that for FF Ventures? Um, we invested in Cornerstone. Uh, I had invested previously as an angel, and I invested in our um, uh, our first fund. Um, Cornerstone on Demand, which is a big enterprise company in LA. So, how did that? How did you uh, come to that deal? Uh, so, back in two thousand, a friend of mine said, "Hey, I got this guy I met in the gym," <laughs> and. Uh, he met the, the head of sales, and he got, he got excited about it and introduced it to me. And, and you know, this was the first SaaS company before it was even called SaaS. Right. Um, in fact, Cornstone On Demand was called something completely different um, prior to that. So I think we were two main changes before SaaS. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 2006 that people would buy this without being convinced that data was safe sitting on someone else's servers. Uh, and now I think they have 36, 40 million seats worldwide. Wow. Um, it's, it's really fascinating. Uh, just, just before COVID, they announced uh, a deal to buy Saba, a private company. Uh, I actually think it's a decent deal. The market hated it. Uh, and now the, the stock is trading at very interesting multiples, to say the least. Um, so I, you know, I still, it's funny. I, you know, if the shares I bought back in 2000, you know, I still own a couple. Um, uh, so I'm still emotionally connected. They went public, I think in 2011. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, nine years after they went public. So you, yes, yeah, that's just, you know, you, you stay connected to some of these stories. Andrew, and what was the last check you you wrote post COVID, like pre COVID? Which kind of what kind of company? So we we wrote a check into a U.S. company with a Ukrainian outsourced uh, capability uh, called Respicha, uh-huh. and what they do is they take someone's live voice, like mine, uh-huh. and uh, with an hour's worth of training. I can talk into a mic and the other side can sound just like Howard Lindsay. Oh man. So they sell into movie studios. Um, uh, and the application I think of, of deep fake audio is, is massive if it's handled responsibly. And we think this company will handle it responsibly. And what does so, responsibly mean of, 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 of what, what does that, what is a responsible use case? Um, the responsible use case is you don't just allow people to buy the product as a SaaS product. It's more of a services-like product. You only sell to um, whitelisted buyers, and you uh, watermark your recordings so that you can track um, if recordings are deep fake or not. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, we've all seen these deep fake videos. Mm-hmm. You need an audio that really ties in, and this is what they do. And they, theirs is the highest quality that we know out there and used by some of the largest brands out there. And favorite movie? Oh, 
you know, it's funny. I've been rewatching some favorite movies. So I'm gonna, you know, I, 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 I have um, the movie um, critic capability of a 16 year old. Uh-huh. So one of my favorites is the interview. The interview. Wait a minute. What? Who's in that? In it's a North set in North Korea. Huh. Um. Oh. Well, where? <laughs> it's that's a comedy. Seth Rogen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, that's classic Goldman. That's your Goldman uh, style coming through there. It's, I, I've watched that movie like nine times. <laughs> the, I, just know, watched, I, also, I just watched a social yeah. network and I had a new respect for the movie. It was so interesting to watch it. Now that I rewatched st- it again. That movie launched tech. Yeah. That was the first mainline movie that made tech respectable. First cool movie. It was really well done in hindsight. I don't oh, know yeah. how big Facebook is now, but even then it was $25 billion and I think it's probably gone up eight more times since that. I didn't realize the movie was that old even. Jesus. 2008, if I remember correctly. Wow. It really holds up well. It does hold up well. The uh, And then favorite band? Well, the Beatles. Okay. You're aging yourself. It's a softball. And then favorite yeah. meal? Favorite meal? Favorite meal. Um, I'm a man of simple taste, so one of my go-to meals is Steak. just have an apple and some cheese. Really? Gross. Man of simple that's, taste. That's gross. All right, and then what's the... <laughs> <laughs> Robot Boy, what's the one thing you miss about New York right now? Oh, the people. I mean, I just miss people. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know I, I look at people. I You know, I now prefer... Zoom and video calls and mm-hmm. audio calls. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, you miss people, you miss interaction, you miss, you know, as much as you try and exercise, you're sitting in a chair for multiple hours a day in a way that you're not normally doing. So yeah, that, you know, that's what I miss about New York. The mm-hmm. hustle and bustle and energy. Yeah, it'll be back. I just, it'll oh, be yeah. different. I, I, I know I'm going to come last just for a while at least because it's just, you know, I've earned my stripes, it feels like, and it's just like, let somebody else do that work for a while. It's going to be pretty stressful dealing with New York for the next year. Okay, listen, it's, I think everybody is stressed. If, if, you, if you live currently with the opinion that everybody is stressed, yep. everybody is in a bad mood, everybody is carrying some anger, angst, upset with themselves, you'll get through the day better. All right, good wisdom. You're the man. Hopefully, uh, we'll see you in a board meeting soon. The, uh, that'd um, be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. And uh, I'm kind of loving my Zoom life. Played some golf today. Phoenix is like one of those red states that's got its shit together. It's like, hopefully, we're behaving. I think we are. Um, but they, a lot of stuff's still open here. So, so, so I want to know, for your Zoom setup, uh-huh. like, do, do you have... Uh, you know, a $5,000 camera and a separate mic and lighting. And do you like, you know, go and raid your wife's makeup before you get on? Like, like, you know, how serious do you take this? I'm sadly the worst zoomer of all time. I'm like doing 10 things. It's no different than seeing me in person. It, it's about a 50, 50. I'm paying attention. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm highly engaged in doing this because I love talking to 
smart people who are too busy normally. So we've had a good guest crew. It's it's a little weird because, you know, I don't, I'm not first degree yet. I don't know, literally, I don't think Canute does either directly anybody who's had a death related to COVID. So I think my numbers are coming up. Like the odds are I'm going to have that. So I'm stressed about that. So it's still I know, like, I know. you know a lot. Yeah, I, Everybody in New York I, seems well, to know something. I know four people, but you know, every one person is sad. Mm-hmm. So it's like creeping yeah. up like a cancer. Everybody knows somebody who has cancer that's, you know, fuck yeah. cancer. So, yeah. um, so it's still a little distant to me. And then the weather's so good here. It's kind of surreal, right? Like, you know, there's no smog, uh, there's no traffic. It's like Phoenix 1950 with 2020 infrastructure. So right. it's just like you have the run of the town. And so the it just feels like the Wild West with good tech and like a good car. So it's just like barreling, you know, what would take a half an hour, it takes 15 minutes and just the sky is blue and so I know, like, it's just weird that how many people are kind of obeying, you know, people, Americans have, uh, have kind of stepped up their game here. So hopefully we, you know, it should help us get through this. I mean, it shows again that Americans just get through this shit. Yeah, they do. But I, I, I will tell you this. I, w- I was one of the first to panic. Like mid-January, early mid-January, I was, I was just panicked. Uh-huh. You know, because back in 2003, I saw SARS, I read up about 1918 flu, about, you know, all different uh-huh. types of diseases. I was watching it intensely when I was at Goldman. Uh-huh. And so when this thing happened, I, you know, all the alarm bells went off for me. It takes just one person. It took one person in Wuhan to do that. It takes just, what was the chance that one person wouldn't come over? And, do you know, it was impossible to tell people. Like and remember, nobody had the mindset. It took no too much energy. And um, now everybody's mindset has shifted, right? All these yeah. o- OTD, hypochondria, you know, feet six foot away from me kind of stuff, waving right. sticks at people. Right. And we've now got to work out when it's safe to go back. When in reality, we can't actually see the virus. We can't smell it. We can't taste it. So at some level, it feels like kabuki theater. I don't know if when you bring in your groceries, you like wipe it down. No, I don't. I want to. Yeah, well, I, a lot of people do. Yeah, no, no. I've, on the show, I've had a bunch of my guests uh, are doing that. And for, I see, you know, I, I watch, I listen to how people are dealing with it. I'm more like trying to stay healthy and keep a positive attitude. And I'm like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to beat it. And I just don't want my kid, you know, just don't, I don't want to hurt anybody. So I just want to get tested so I know who, when I can go and be social and a social animal again. I'm going to do, be more social, of course, just I'm going to do it more locally uh, than getting yeah, on one, a plane. One of, one of my colleagues got it and he just got his test back. And I was talking to him today and he's clear of it now, but he has the antibodies. And his doctor said to him, he said, you know, this isn't like a Superman certificate, oh. right? You still got to wear the gloves and the mask and be careful. We don't know if it protects you or not. Yeah. So, got it. Look, we got to have a lot of testing. We got we got to bring some visibility here. We have to understand if five percent of the population has had it or thirty percent has had it. Right. Uh, we got to understand mortality rate. We got to see when it blows up somewhere. So we need a lot of testing. 
I think testing masks and good hygiene is going to go a long way to muting the impact until we can actually um, uh, inoculate everybody. Yep, testing, hygiene, good behavior. It's a good way to end it. All right, I hopefully uh, we can talk about froth next time we chat. Uh, that would be good. That would be good, especially if it was next week. The <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm glad you're doing well, and uh, I'll see you uh, soon on a Zoom. Yeah, and uh, love to the family. You too, buddy. everybody stay from well. Okay, cheers. cheers. Bye. Oh, he's a teddy bear. <laughs> We've, we've gone into a few times, and it's just like, oh, yeah? yeah, it's just, well, you got it when you're on a board and you're arguing. Right. The, uh, and it's always like, as soon as you're out of the meeting, it's like back to normal. You know? It's just business. It's well, just exactly. a professional. Yeah. Don't take it personally. Yeah. But especially my Goldman jokes. That was fun. His answers were funny. He's <laughs> sneaky funny. He is sneaky. Well, he's British, you know, so he's sneaky funny yeah. by definition. Yeah. The uh, so hopefully people enjoy that. John is uh, I don't know manage hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in early stage money over twenty years. So he's kind of just seen all this. You can feel the calm, even though he's got five kids. He's had to do four weddings. Uh, and that's maybe why he has no hair. It's all been pulled out. Mine's coming out, and my kids are like, "Don't even bother me." <laughs> Fuck! It's thin. My hair. It's it's bad. When you can, you know, when you go and you're in the sun and then you look and say, oh my God, you can see right into my skull. Like, like some days it looks a little thick and then other days. Nothing like it was back in college days. Remember that ah, picture you saw the other day? That, was, that shirt. Woo. That's classic shirt. All right, everybody. We'll see you soon. Another panic with friends.